Welcome to Alaska Daily Weekly, a recap and review podcast of the serious television show, Alaska Daily. I'm your not-so-serious host, Allie Liu, born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, currently trying not to melt in Los Angeles with my partner and producer, Boldev Sandhu. Hello! Hi, Boldev. How was your weekend? Good, Allie. How's yours? It was great. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Boldev and I are celebrating five years... Five years... ...of having consensual... Relationships. Oh, consensual workplace relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was five years ago on Friday, the 14th, that... Uh, well, we were I... friends. We met doing stand-up comedy, uh-huh. and we were friends for a year. Mm-hmm. Just open mic friends. Yeah. And then one night, my friends were in town, and I asked you to come hang out, and then you just were doing some good yelling in a booth. Yeah, as is my want. And somehow that uh, that worked for you. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That's... I just really wanted it to stop. And <laughs> I was like, maybe if I kiss him, he'll so shut the hell up. And, and, and that was that. And here we are five years later doing a podcast in our bedroom together. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a fun weekend. Like Friday, Ali had a stand-up show at the Improv. Uh, it's called Tribute. Yeah, it's hosted by Eric Hahn. It's my favorite show in LA. Um, it's in the Improv Lab, which is a great room. I love it. Yeah, everyone there is is amazing. Um, we sing a song and we do some stand-up around um, whoever the artist of the month is. This m- month was a little different. Eric had us all do a song from a movie. So I picked um, Hopelessly Devoted to you from Greece and um, it was nice it was nice to be able to like do stand up sing a song eat some nachos and a pretzel and... you're living out the part where you cucked me oh yeah I did I did cuck you I sang my song in front of Boldev direct, um, directly like, serenade, you serenaded like there's like four dudes in the front row and you were just like alright I made eye contact with all, all of them. them you like sang like directly to them and and you just sat there in the back like, I recorded cut. it <laughs> You recorded to upload later to show the world what I've done to you. <laughs> that was super fun. I love that show. Um, I think next month next month is their one year anniversary at that yeah, um, for that show. Um, and then Saturday we went to Bagel Broker yeah, in the had, morning. Yeah, we had bagel bagel sandwiches and nice lazy day. Yeah, we have to watch what we eat, so we like microdose bagels <laughs> well, i don't know about microdose we just had a whole bagel sandwich and just kind of <laughs> went off that for a while we have we a big we have a real bagel like once every two months i feel like yeah like a yeah. real bagel oh you mean like microdosing bagels in our life in, in our general. life yeah oh because i was like that that wasn't a microdose bagel that, <laughs> that was, was a macro that was a full dose that was a sandwich that was an <laughs> overdose <laughs> We watched Alaska Daily. We watched Alaska Daily. We caught up. We caught up. (laughs) We caught up on Alaska Daily. We watched episode two. I'm excited to dive into that later. But um, we were also just trying to buy time because we were starving ourselves because we both have made reservations at this really, really cute restaurant down the street from us called Bicyclette. Um, It's a French bistro. It was like a freaking fantastic meal. You got the duck, which... I love. I, I that was crazy. I think it was I, my I first time having duck. I've never picked you for a duck guy. <laughs> Me neither. But here we are, Hong and, Kong. <laughs> it was duck confit, which is crazy. You were just like, "I'll have the duck," and I was like, "Who is this man <laughs> that I'm with?" It was wonderful. We had the baguette with the Normandy butter, which is crazy good. Uh-huh. And then they hooked us up with dessert. Yeah, they did. They did. I was like, they're going to give us free dessert. But we also did order dessert. We so. ordered dessert and then they gave us another dessert because they're like, they're clearly poor and are sharing a dessert. <laughs> Five years. That's a big deal. Again, like in LA, that's common law. That's half the time I've lived in LA. It's 10 years this year. So that's that's crazy. Yeah. So it's been great. And it's so fun to be able to do this um, to close out our anniversary weekend. I, You're the most fun ever, Bulldog. I'm so glad that we get to do this together. I'm so glad. This is I'm having a ball. So episode two called A Place We Came Together opens in a diner called Rita's late at night. A mysterious figure douses the diner in gasoline and then sets it on fire. So just full on arson. It's strong episode two opener. Like the pilot, you have to get through the who, what, when, where, and hows of it all. Episode two, they're like, we know what you want. Crime. Crime. Right away. Just arson. <laughs> it's a procedural, right? And that like that's, that gets back to the roots of what the show is. Like, you know, it's like in so many procedurals, it's like, you know, like so many action 
base professions, you know, it's like cops, firefighters, firefighters, doctors, doctors, you know, just like high stakes. Right away, by nature of their profession. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting, you know, like how journalism is kind of entering that sphere. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I've been looking, I'm glad, I, I did like this episode a lot. I will say that right now. Yeah, up I top. It. I liked it a lot. I'm getting into it because right now I cannot, usually I'd be watching Law and Order SVU <laughs> and Law and Order the spinoff, Organized Crime, starring Chris Maloney. Yeah, that's, but, the, that's, that's the one where the song goes... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, <laughs> Law and Order Special Victims Unit sounds like this. Dun, 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 dun. And then Law and Order Organized, organized crime, crime goes... It's a little more militant and like, you know... Just an observation. Just an observation that you made. Um, well, I would usually be on my SVU OC train right now, but they did some bullshit with the season opener. They made it a three-part crossover episode. So first I have to watch Law & Order, then watch Law & Order SVU, then watch Law & Order Organized Crime for the first episode of this new season for all of them. I, I don't have three hours to do that. I have to finish Desperate Housewives. <laughs> You know, so I open opening strong on just crime. Crime. Arson. Yeah. And, we cut you know. from the diner to a walking path with a graphic that says it's one day earlier. So so we see Eileen. She's just running on this path. You know, she's having her morning run and she stops when she sees like a moose kind of out on the path. It That's, happens. It happens. They're, they're around. It guys. happens. When we were, I think Danny must have been in third grade. My sister Danny was in third grade. She decided to walk a different way to the bus stop. And she ran right into a moose. Literally, like, uh-huh. smacked into a moose. And then just kind of backed away slowly. And then ran her little ass back to where we were. Your mom they... sent us some moose pictures late last night. <laughs> <laughs> 1 a.m. our time. We were hammered. We came yeah. back We came back yeah, from, from our, our anniversary, anniversary dinner. dinner. We were like drinking and watching the Halloween <laughs> Ends movie and having, having a nice it night. It was a great night. It was, night. Great. It was, yeah. it was a wonderful end of the night. And then like your mom's just like moose pic- moose at night. It's like, it's like the yard is all dark, but like she's got her flash on. And it's just like the moose is all lit up. <laughs> It was midnight Anchorage time. It was 1 a.m. our time, so it was a midnight moose message. And she's usually in bed. Yeah. You know, so she's just like her little moose miracle. She's like, I'm up late, so I'm rewarded with this moose sighting. So you have these moose, and so she sees it, and she, like, asks her phone or whatever, and she's like, are moose dangerous? Which, you know, I mean, it was like 50-50. Well, no, moose are dangerous. The her phone tells her she's like are moose dangerous? They moose kill more humans than bear and wolves. And so she's like, Damn, Good bears for- and wolves got to step it up. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm taking away from this. Also, the best part of my mom's moose message was she like she was like, "There's a lot of moose tonight." For bull wants to mate but mama says nope <laughs> she has this whole narrative and then because she, she like sent like nine messages in a row and it was just her updating us on everything that was happening wait nope maybe five i just saw another bull <laughs> and then my sister danny replies this morning she's like sounds like a party over there <laughs> it's like 1 a.m she's texting about moose um but yeah that was the cold open. It was fun. It was like yeah. a little intrigue at the beginning with the straight up arson and then some Alaska flavor, you know. Also, you know, we see what some of the other characters are doing that morning. Claire, one of the reporters at uh, Daily Alaskan, she's having uh, breakfast with her family at Rita's, that restaurant that got burnt in the beginning, right? So she's there with her family. Uh, they're having breakfast. It's like one of her son's birthdays. Uh, you know the restaurant. It's like it's like a folksy Alaskan yeah. kind of. It's not it's not real, right? Like it's not real. It's, there's it's like, no. It's like, it's there's like no Rita's. A, you know, it's like quintessential Alaskan, I guess. I don't, I don't. Yeah, quintessential Alaskan diners, like a Gwinnies or like a Snow City Cafe. Um, one of those places that's just like you think of Alaskan breakfast, like for me, anyways. Like yeah. um, Southside Grill, we mentioned. Yeah, it's it's like it's got like a very homey vibe, and so like the woman Rita who runs it, she's like pretty positive person, uh, and like there's like signs. Uh, you Her know. live, laugh, love is like no politics, no yeah, no fighting, yeah. yeah, like 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 a lot of signs that say you know you leave leave your fighting and shit at the door, like we're not doing that here. And so she, so then the times where she gets upset in the scene in the beginning is one, when she sees on the TV, the news is playing, it's like covering some protest or something. And she's like, turn that off or change it or whatever. And then the other time when she's talking to Claire and the family, there's like a fight that erupts at a table nearby. And these two guys yell at each other. And one of them leaves. 
you can tell that this place like means a lot to people like Claire's family. They're celebrating a birthday there. Like they do every year they mention. Yeah. And then yeah. Rita's Claire, like, I mean, Rita even says your, your parents have been coming here together since before you were born. So yeah. it's like, it's like, it is like a mainstay. Like it is, you know, bummer. It gets burned down a day later. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. We already know it gets burned down. Um, you showed us right up top. At, at the uh, at the Daily Alaskan office, uh, all the reporters are celebrating Yuna's uh, front, first front page story. They've like framed it, like the article. Uh, you know, they're, they're all pretty stoked. And then also, like Gabriel's like digging through public records or whatever for Bob, and they like discover that uh, Rita's is up for sale. Yeah, and Claire's like, wait, no, I was just there. She never said anything about it. And then also, I want to mention when they are presenting Yuna with her, you know, framed front page article, um, Austin, one of the reporters is like, tradition is you buy everyone coffee from the coffee cart. And you were like, that's like $80. <laughs> Dude, that's a lot of money. There's... There's like what, like maybe fifteen people in there? Like Well, the coffee carts are such a I'm so glad that they incorporate like that's something I think they got really spot on was like yeah. incorporating that kind of coffee and coffee culture into Alaska Daily yeah, because there's that, like there's that like coffee hut thing in the parking lot outside of the Daily Alaskan and there's like all over Anchorage coffee huts or shacks or like yeah, whatever like, like just kiosks. It was my, one yeah. of my first jobs, you know, me and a lot of my friends, um, our first jobs were working as baristas in these standalone drive-up coffee shops. What, what, was, what was the one you worked at? Uh, the first one I worked at was called Midnight Sun and it was run by an absolute terrorist and <laughs> it's closed now and I'm glad. You were saying, Baldev, when we were last in Alaska, last in Anchorage, um, I took you on a coffee cart tour, right? Mm -hmm. Of like different coffee shops around the area. Yeah. Um, We hit up. Anchorage has like a very unique coffee culture. It's awesome. Yeah. You think like Seattle and coffee, right? Yeah, yeah. Even Los Angeles, New York and coffee, but like Alaskans are very serious about their coffee. LA coffee coffee shops only exist for people to like open up their laptops at (laughs) to like look like they're writing screenplays or some shit. Like, dude, LA I'm coffee, doing it. <laughs> we're all, we're all gonna we're make all it. doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- there's that. So they're all celebrating, but then uh, you know, there's also um, Stanley tells Eileen that uh, they're gonna have to have lunch with the publisher of the paper. I forget. I don't, I don't remember if they mention his name. I mean, they probably do, but it's like real quick. I don't remember what it is. But they're gonna have to have lunch with him later, and he wants to meet Eileen. So Stanley knows what he's getting into, hiring her and bringing her to this lunch. You know, like even if she's gonna behave like. But it is also that thing of like you have to play nice with the people who are paying to keep your lights on. Like he makes it a point to emphasize that this publisher's family is what is keeping the lights on at the Daily Alaskan. Yeah. From there, like, Claire follows up with uh, Rita about the sale. She's like, you know, like, we figured, we learned about this, like, what's going on? Like, you like, saw you this morning, why didn't you say anything? And, you know, Rita just kind of shuts her out, you know? She doesn't want to talk about it at all. And uh, Claire does some digging, and she realizes that she sold it to Big Burger, which is, like, some kind of franchise, like, corporate chain burger thing. It looks pretty good, though, honestly. <laughs> Whenever they're eating Good Burger... Not Good, good Burger. Big Burger. burger. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's hard to keep all these uh, fake, fake burger franchises fake burger straight in, in your head sometimes. Um. Yeah, so while all that's happening, Eileen and Roz meet with Sylvia Namnak to get Gloria's autopsy report. Mm-hmm. Eileen strong arms the report from the staff only to see that there are no lab test reports. So the nurse tells her it's too expensive and that it doesn't matter because they have no database for reference. And Eileen tells her then that there is an FBI database and Roz tells her that the paper reported on this years ago. The attorney general promised the state would create a DNA library, but it just never happened. Corruption... I mean, is it like gross negligence? And they're just banking on people not remembering and not caring. So Eileen and Roz present this to Stanley, and Roz tells him that they should print the story. And Eileen is like, no, it's too early. Um, They need to do more research. It needs more reporting. This is where we see Stanley backing her up, and then Roz feels clearly betrayed. Uh, It's like a systemic problem, uh, and... You should like she 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 knows about it and she's like to to her to hold on to this information and not share it feels, feels like irresponsible. a disservice yeah. yeah irresponsible it feels like a disservice to her people. But this is also where Stanley tells Roz because he I think Stanley's a pretty good boss right now from what I've seen in the last two episodes he seems to be a fair person and he tells Roz you know like 
you might question her motives because Roz says, like, Eileen doesn't really care about this the way I do. You know, she only wants to save her career. Yeah, she wants to get her job back. Exactly, in New York. And Stanley's like, you know, you might question her motives, but she is a very good reporter and you don't have to like her, but you should learn and you learn learn from her and use her. Yeah, and you, and you see a little more of that, you know, in, in this episode, like, you know, people kind of learning from Eileen more... She shines in the room. She, she shines in the room. I mean, like she, and and she and she encourages the other reporters. She like respects them, you know. Like she she doesn't seem to talk down to anybody. Um, but she's, she's like really jagged, and like that's that's like part of, you know, kind of like what helps her her do what she does uh, and do it well, you know. Yeah, I mean, and we really see that when they have lunch. Um, Eileen and Stanley have lunch with their publisher. Yeah. Right. You know, right. And the publisher we. He really tries to get under her skin, I think, or at least yeah. to make his own presence known as like an authority figure, you know, because he makes a comment. He's like, you know, I keep a room here at the Captain Cook Hotel, so we're neighbors. Yeah. You know, kind of like I'm always around. I've got my eye on you thing. Just big dicking, you know? Well, we find out that, you know, uh, Stanley and Eileen's history with each other, you know, he asked yes. about that. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, it's it's what we talked about before is like, there was a story that uh, Stanley approved to publish, and then at the last minute... Eileen's story. Eileen's story, and then at the last minute, he was pressured by the publisher to pull it, and he did. And Which he says he regrets, he and never will never have it again. again. And then, you know, and so... And, this, you know, and the irony here being that they're saying this to their publisher. Current publisher. So, <laughs> you know, so we'll, we'll see. There'll be some... You know, and then Eileen, you know, takes it upon herself to be like, look, like, your family is involved in a lot of business ventures. Like, just so you know, like nothing's off target, you know, nothing's off limit, um, you know, to talk about, right? And he's like, as long as you get your facts right. And she's like, I always get my facts right. And then he's like, if you did, you wouldn't be here. Or yeah, he's like, like all that. due respect, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you did. Like, it's just that thing that... Uh, so he wins in the end. <laughs> Look. Look, our anniversary is over. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, I I just, for me, it's like you see Eileen um, demonstrate value in terms of her fearlessness in this episode. Her fearlessness in terms of like she will run out into the street to find someone who's harassing her. Like she gets a call from her stalker later. Yeah, the stalker guy when she gets back from the lunch. Yeah, like he has, he emailed her photos of herself like yeah, coming like, back from lunch to show that like he's in the parking lot, like. Yeah, and she like runs. She out, runs right, no like fearless, like the way only a white woman <laughs> hath no fear. Good for you, girl. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna send this to HR. <laughs> so then, while all that's happening, yeah, uh, Roz Roz digs into Toby's social media a little deeper and finds out that he's got this like uncle that lives in Anchorage that's kind of close to so figures out where he lives and they, they go pay him a visit. He's not quick to answer. He's not trying to talk to them about much. He's he's pretty guarded. But, you know, like Roz is able to connect. This is where you see like Roz shining through more, you know, and like knowing how to kind of like uh, connect with the people that are involved with what's happening, you know, and like. Well, this is the part where as we were watching it, I got emotional because, you know, yeah, Roz and Eileen walk into this garage and they see Toby's uncle and he's surrounded by fish boxes you know like giant boxes full of what i would assume were fish because Roz says you know um winter's coming i just got my salmon and then he's like well these are actually tanner crab um and it made me emotional because like in in the you know indigenous community we find out that it's something that they do you know family shares food yeah they like they bulk up on a lot of these these fish and crab and they, they keep them in these boxes and then like what i think she called it a subsistence freezer mm -hmm. yeah we have one of those too because again again it's not also on, not just on the commercial level of fishing like the fish that we get sent home with Boldev is from like kenny yeah i mean like, like kenny like, and my dad who like go people... out there and fish and and then we share the fish that we get that's right we do we do share the fish uh you know with lots of friends uh jake ban one of them <laughs> I know, that, you know, he he was upset we didn't mention him. Jake Ban is who we went to Halloween Horror Nights with, and he was pretty salty that we did not shout him out. So, Jake Ban, thank you for raising my um, 
blood pressure. And you have more salmon coming because we just came back from Anchorage. And you better keep listening even though we said your name in this episode now. We might say your name in every episode. You'll never keep know. Listening. Yeah, you got to keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that made me emotional because it's something that was just like so um, culturally significant that I didn't realize I wanted to see shared. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize how impactful that scene was going to be f- seeing it as someone from Alaska knowing this way of life. Yeah, I mean, I'd never seen like a fish box or whatever until I visited your family for the first time and they sent us back with fish. And like and then you get to the airport and you just see everyone like is just checking these like boxes and I'm just like I've never seen this in my life and then I'm at the airport and we're all doing this all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, my my traveling uh, experience consists of a lot of boxes. Like in the Philippines, it's it's also something I didn't think was Alaskan. I thought it was first. I thought it was like Filipino because there's like such a huge Filipino community in Anchorage. This is just how we do things. And when we travel to the Philippines, we have something called a balikbayan box, which are giant boxes full of like goods and like clothes, diapers, supplies or whatever um, that we in America take over to our relatives in the Philippines. So I have just always been traveling with boxes. <laughs> So I, it's really interesting for me to see the way that Eileen navigates like the red tape. Like she doesn't necessarily bully, but she applies pressure to get what they need. Like at the, at the autopsy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, like she says things that everyone knows. Like whenever, whenever people tell you like, like if you ever, when, when, when like a cop tells you to hand something over, like you don't have to, like you have to tell them, you know, your rights. But like most people, like when they try to be like, I, 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 I know my rights. <laughs> and then they just get steamrolled by the cop. Yeah. Cause they're scary. Yeah. Cause authority is scary. Yeah. Like they get in your fucking face. Face, yeah. you know? So again, like her fearlessness. Yeah. So so she is like she knows how to like press up against people and go like go toe to toe with any and all authority figures. But to, then like, Roz also, like because when, like, they, has when the they, know-how. Yeah, like, well, when when they get to knows. the house, when they get to Toby's uncle's house, Eileen goes up to the front door and knocks. Roz is just like, I'm gonna she, go in through the garage. She knows he's in the garage. Yeah. And then And again, I would be like, um, I don't want to go, this is look sketchy yet. <laughs> You're not inside of it. You're not cut out for reporting. I'm not cut out for being in the field, I guess. So Roz connects that, you know, because of all these big fish boxes full of all this tanner crab in the uncle's garage, that someone in the family must work on a boat and send all this, you know, back to everybody. Uh, so that that's like a pretty good lead that she has when they come back. So they, they get back to the office, right? And everyone is eating. Like Big Burger sent, the head of PR sent over boxes of like burgers and fries, right? He sent some swag over to everybody to mm-hmm. bribe Claire, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it was a, it was swag from Big Burger for as a thank you to Claire for all her hard work. And at first, Bob is like, this is a direct conflict of interest. We can't eat this. And then Austin, one of the reporters, is like, but it's Claire's story and she's not here, so we should eat it. <laughs> right? And he's like... It's a good loophole. He's like, yeah, we should. It's a good loophole. <laughs> so they start eating it. Eileen and Roz get back. And um, that's when Roz asks Bob yeah, she's where they like, fish Tanner Crab. So he tells her that, it, you know, Kodiak... And um, then Eileen is like, all right, guys, we need all hands on deck. Like, we need to um, all Look research the... the Harbor Master database to find Toby. And Bob is like, uh, excuse me, you can't just come in here and tell, and tell my reporters do. what to do. And she's like, you're eating swag. Uh, so what's more important, that or this murder case <laughs> that we're trying to work on? And what's nice is that Roz interjects and she's like, Bob, like, you know, this is a big deal. We could really use use the help. Yeah. And so then Bob was like, OK, fine. But can you just ask me next time? Like, it was really just like an ego trip. And then Claire comes back and everyone's like got burger in their mouth. She's feeling very disheartened by uh, Rita's closing and all that. Like she sees, she feels there's like parallels between that and like kind of where the daily Alaskans headed, you know? Yeah. Uh, And so she's feeling kind of hopeless about what to do. And she like just saw a protest at the site of Rita's. Like there's like protests and there's like news crews. People are fighting. Everyone's upset. And so then, uh, you know, Eileen even tells her, you know, she, and this is her, like, again, like, kind of, like, showing her how to poke the bear a little bit, you know. She's like, you should talk to the historical society to get Rita's declared as, like, a landmark, uh, you know, and that'll, if, you know, that'll stir the pot a little bit, you know, uh, because then if it's a landmark, the city, you know, can't let anyone build over it. Right. 
yeah, Roz finds Toby in the database. Uh, they track him down to the like, whichever harbor he's at in like what Kodiak. Kodiak, yeah. Kodiak, right? Yeah. But then Stanley's like, you can. Well, no. First, I look up flights to Kodiak. There Nothing. Are, there's no flights, and then they go to Stanley, and he's like, "No, I'm not going to charter you guys a plane." So good for a thing. hunch, yeah, for, on a hunch, on a hunch. <clears throat> so then Eileen calls the pilot poet. Yeah. For help. Yeah, and, and you know he he comes through and. Uh, Do we know his name? I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I looked it up and I found his name, but I like I don't remember them saying it. His name's Jamie, I guess, but I don't remember. We'll just that. call him Pilot Poet because I'm not into him. <laughs> why? Why aren't you into him? I just I don't problematic. I don't think he's hot enough for Larry <laughs> Swank, and he he's doing it's, a nice thing. I don't know. I just I don't. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so then, so he flies them, but she's not very nice to him on this flight. Like, yeah, she's very short. She's short with him. She like kind of deflects when he like asks her more personal questions. Mm-hmm. And then she even like lies to Ro- like about how they know each other when Roz yeah. asks. She's like college. College. But, yeah. And like shoots down any kind of conversation. Yeah. But also something happened that goes again to your theory last episode that you were talking about, Allie, where you think. Pilot Poet might be involved in some way. Oh, yeah. We find out that um, Pilot Poet will take supplies to um, the, out into the bush. Yeah, like some of the villages need supplies and, you know, any pilot who is going has the obligation to, to bring some. Yeah. And so he, he's got access. Yeah. He's got, I, I think he did it. He's got, he's got access to people that are hidden. Right. Like, you know, that's, that, that feels like a clear... I mean, he's got a fucking plane. He's got the plane. He's got the plane. He's got the plane. He goes to these villages. Yeah. So then, you know, we find out that, um, you know, Toby is working on these docks. Yeah. They, they, Roz and they, Eileen find him. They track him down. No no thanks to these gruff... Uh, dock know, workers. Dock workers. They're just so pissed. They're all just so pissed. I mean, I don't know. I had a lovely time when we went to the docks. We went. I did we not went. have a lovely time <laughs> we went, last we time went. we went to the docks. We went sailing. We went where? Seward, right? We went to Seward. We were up there in July, and my sister Danny, um, one of her coworkers, charters her sailboat, and you know, we're me we and my sisters are trying to bond or whatever. So we went sailing. <laughs> Uh, I got a little too confident. I only took one Dramamine instead of the two that I should have taken. Because Allie is, she gets seasick. I get very seasick, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, While Baldev was thriving, like you got your sea legs fast. I was having a great time. I was pulling ropes. You were pulling all kinds of ropes. You were tying knots. Tying knots. You were standing up on the boat. I was holding poles. You were, yep, you were doing, you look great. Um, I was having a great time. I started to feel a little sick, and because we were not paying attention at the beginning of the lesson... Not we, you. I, me and my sister Jill, um, we... The one most likely to get sick <laughs> on the boat was not listening when they were talking about what to do when you get sick. <laughs> what they said was, do it off the back. And when Allie started to not feel well, what'd you do, Allie? I went downstairs to the cabin. Oh, into the cabin where there's like furniture and like carpet, and like, <laughs> like just like supplies and you know all their stuff. Just where they sleep at night. Yeah, but luckily you pulled off your jacket. And I vomited into my jacket. R.I.P. Extra large petite old navy parka. I love that. I bagger. loved it too. You bought that for me for our first Big Bear trip. Yeah, right before the pandemic. Well, I need a new coat. Yeah, this is <laughs> maybe for years. our six-year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I vomited into my coat, and then I came upstairs, and I had vomited all over my top. So I was just topless off, like the worst yeah, mermaid took, in the world. Just took, you had to take your top off, and then you leaned off the back of the boat, and you just kept kept vomiting until onto the onto the like back deck or what? I don't yeah. know what the fuck it's called, but. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, and it was like, it was all like pink because I think you'd eaten salmon. I had salmon and it was also green because of the pesto. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So while you were... I was having a good time. Having the time of your life. And as I was vomiting off the side, you were like, we should get a boat. (laughs) (laughs) And my sister was like, damn... I just humiliated her in front of her coworker. She had just said, like, has anyone ever gotten sick here? And then she was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got sick when we got back on land. That's true. It just, it just kind of stayed with you. And then, then, you know, the rest of the weekend you had a few incidents, but you know, that's how it goes. No, because then I also 
And then vomited we, in the RV. RV, yeah. We were in your parents' RV driving through. We were driving to Homer, right? Yeah. Um, driving to Homer in my parents' RV. Um, I had to go to the bathroom, so I started. I got up to walk, and then just I more just, wobbliness. Yeah. While I you were am, already feeling weak. I have a delicate constitution. While you were down. <laughs> down for the count. And I just kept updating my family chat, like, vomited again. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, can you go home? We don't like it when you visit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they, they find Toby. They question him he resists yeah and he, finally he's, he's just, like not he's not he's trying, not trying to, answer. to answer any questions like he's like he's 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 and he, it's clearly like because he's scared like he's like i don't want them to know i said anything like so it's like and you know eileen's like who is they and he's very standoffish about that like he won't tell them until then you know they're, then they're like did you do it and then then he's like i would never and you know so he gives him a little bit of information that he's like look like i wasn't even the last one with her like she yeah. went to this after party with this guy skeeter like, that's the only name he's got for him, Skeeter. And then, like, that she asked him to pick her up from there, but he wouldn't because they'd had a f- fight earlier that night. Yeah, Gloria and Toby had gotten into a fight. Gloria called Toby to pick her up from the after party, but he was, like, still pissed, so he didn't answer. And didn't, didn't go get her. So she was last seen alive somewhere other than his party. Yeah, with that guy, Skeeter. You know, and while that's happening, Claire is having a crisis of conscience. Yeah, she's like really struggling with this Rita's piece. She, her and she her husband this, are getting into it. Yeah, the husband's like, "This isn't even that important." Like, you know, I have a job too because she's asking him to pick her son up from karate. Yeah, and, and he's, he's like, "I got a job too." Yeah, he's getting frustrated and like, and like she, he's he's not understanding that like she's she's like having like a bigger like she's seeing a bigger picture here, uh, and he's not being very understanding of that. And, you know, she, what, she goes to that town hall, yeah. right? She goes to this town hall where they're, like, the historical society has gathered and the PR from Big Burger has gathered and, like, the townspeople, everyone's gathered. Because they want to make Lita, uh, Rita's a landmark. A landmark, and if they make it a landmark, Big Burger can't tear it down and build, right? So it's like, but we don't even get very far into this discussion before people just start fighting. And this part feels a little, like, you know, a little ramped up. But, but you know, I mean, you have to just to kind of... Steaks, baby. Steaks. I mean, like I feel like real town halls are a lot more uh, tedious. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more fluorescent lighting. Yeah, a lot more. No time. snacks. They had snacks. Yeah, they That's had like, like such, donuts out. So a lot. I I love that they captured that part of Alaskans though. That like hospitality. Mm-hmm. Like you go anywhere. If someone's inviting you somewhere in Alaska, they're gonna host you. Yeah. They also captured the part of a lot of bearded guys with their arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot really of that. Yeah, that. so so ten- tensions raised. You know, like people people want to keep Rita's because they're proud of the heritage of the town and all that. And other people are like, you can't, you know, tell businesses what to do. That's socialism, or like, you know, keep government out of our lives. Whatever, all kinds of arguments. And people eventually, people are fighting. Claire is horrified. She even sees Rita pop in for a moment. Like, and Rita is horrified. She sees the fighting and she leaves immediately. Like, it's just like a scene, and it's right. just like it's just showing Anchorage. You know, it's like it's a small. It's a small version of what's happening all over the country, all over the world, like, right? Like, it's, like, just, like, huge divisiveness, like, right? Like, Claire even says at one point, she's, like, it, like it's almost like facts don't even matter because people just want to use them to beat each other with, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, great, I got a fact, now I'll win. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, facts... Like, no one wants to hear the other person. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so it, it is tricky. It's tricky... It's tricky to take the no politics approach that Claire or uh, Rita is trying to do at her restaurant. You know, it's it, that's a hard stance to take because, like, with more information to just what goes on in the world and how people experience life and all that, it's hard to turn a blind eye to so many things that happen. So it's hard to check that at the door, but it's also like important to somehow listen to people i don't know (laughs) well it's also like because now you can have your information curated to your every whim like you your people's timelines are basically echo chambers of what their ideals are and then what they see that's opposing is like radical yeah so and untrue and untrue exactly you know so it's like it's hard because rita is trying to do this like everything is nice thing that's all no politics, like no, no fighting, no this. Let's just have a meal, and that's just like unfortunately not the way of the world. Like it's nice, it's a nice notion, 
And if it can affect like how you treat people, great. But like, I don't know. That I used to be how things were. Yeah. That used to be how things were. That's, that's just not how things are It's anymore. just not how things are anymore. And what was really nice in this moment, though, is that, you know, Claire leaves that town hall meeting and she's, you know, clearly... Distraught. Ups- like, yeah, yeah, she's like, upset. She's doing laundry and her husband comes in with a beer and is just kind of like, you know, peace offering. Yeah. And he does offer insight and comes around and validates that this is an important story to tell. Yeah. He, he sees... He sees how it's affecting her. He sees what it's doing to the town. And, you know, even though earlier he's like, I like Big Burger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was not a big fan of Claire's husband through this episode until this moment. He was kind of a dick. That's that's mainly because you said he looked like Dave Matthews, though. (laughs) He did look like Dave Matthews. But at the beginning at breakfast, she's like, I got to get this story in. And he makes some snide. I'm like, I've also got a job. Some bullshit. He makes a big stink about picking up his kid. Yeah, from karate. Being a little pouty piss boy about it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but th- then he comes around and he's like you know he's like, this, this is an important story this is tell. an important story there's so much there's so much more to it than just the business transaction of yeah. this build this business being sold and a bigger franchise taking its place like there's so much heart here and there's so much pain that you need to move through yeah and so and claire does get discouraged she's like i don't even know why i do this and he's like well for the money like it was like <laughs> it was a cute little bander scene they're you know drinking beer together and then claire gets a phone call and it's from stanley yeah and then so she you know cut to she's at the parking lot of rita's while it's burning like it did in the beginning you know so here we are back to the present uh rita's is burning to the ground um pilot poet brings eileen and Roz back and then eileen's like hey can I buy you a drink to say thank you? And he's like, well, would you have even called me if you didn't need a ride? And she was like, yeah. And he's like, mm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> His feelings are hurt. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, pass. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on that drink. Um, yeah, I mean, like, she she didn't hit him up at all between when they last saw each other and then. But Eileen is also resourceful. She was just like... I don't think she meant again. I think this is yeah. Where, this, this she she did not mean to. I agree. Yeah, but, I think it just like. But she was rude in the plane. She was rude in the plane. You're right. She was rude. If if she wasn't rude in the plane, then I don't. I then think he wouldn't be. He wouldn't feel so salty. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she really was rude on. The she plane. was rude on the plane. Who knows where that goes? But you know, maybe Ali is right. Maybe he this pilot poet's guilty of all of this, and he's involved in these murders. We'll we'll see. So then we'll Claire see. goes to Rita at her home. Goes to Rita's home and figures out that Rita burned her own restaurant down. Yeah, she's, she's just like she's she's just questioning and like you know Rita keeps trying to deny and deny and eventually you know she's just she says she was fed up she was fed up with all the fighting you know like everyone's fighting all the time and people are fighting in her restaurant and she says it's like this is my home it's like my family and my family's just fighting all the time and how do you tell them that you can't stand it so I just wanted to sell the restaurant and you know and like and then but that didn't you know wanting to sell the restaurant didn't. That didn't fix anything because now people are fighting over that. And so she just burned it. She burned it all to the ground. Well, and when Claire connects Rita's struggle with her own struggles with the paper, you mm-hmm. know, it, it comes out to be like a really nice article about a story with a human perspective on what happened in the wake of Rita selling. It was also one of these things where, you know, she says, um, I thought this was a story about big business coming after small business. But it really is just more like an article about accountability of that ugly behavior that's been. Because yeah. then, they, like the photos that pop up are like of the angry faces at the town hall yeah, and the and, fighting. Yeah. So that you know that goes that goes well, and like people respond positively to that. Uh, Eileen and Roz share their findings uh, with Stanley, uh, and he's impressed, uh, and so he agrees to get them a flight to Mead. Right, I think yep, that's the place. Mead. So that's where this guy Skeeter is I guess they don't know much more than that than this party was in Mead, the Mead area and Skeeter is up there so because they're gonna go talk to police there yeah so Stanley Stanley's like I'll charter this and I'm impressed uh so that's a nice win for the the two reporters uh and then you know Roz even kind of steps forward and tells Eileen you know like I'm sorry for earlier like you're right to not want to publish the story right away uh you know like you know, and Eileen was right. Like, you know, it's like if like they, they pump, you know, go on these feelings and just kind of share this information. Um, you know, she's like, it'll just tip off the police, you know, and then they can kind of cover their tracks 
and we we don't have more of a story and you know we have to be patient right and if you do do things this way and take your time and kind of like investigate more dig deeper you can put together something that is so airtight if you present information that is so airtight it doesn't matter how tough of a pill it is to swallow you right. swallow it like that that's I, and that's Eileen's approach to journalism in general it's probably what made her successful yeah so you know and it's like you see that like you know kind of Roz understands that now and so that you know it's it's cool to see you know like kind of like what Eileen has to offer uh, and people kind of being able to take from that um, but it's also this thing like I'm watching that and I'm like seeing how Eileen is doing the opposite of what she did with the general story at the Vanguard. Like she's being more patient versus when she was like, I'm five minutes to deadline. Like, right. When, that was the mistake she that made. That was the on mistake her own. she made. Yeah. 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 She was trying not to repeat that on her own. No, I, what I don't know is if she's doing it consciously or if it's just something that's happening. Cause again, like it's, I, it's too early in the show to tell. Yeah. You know? But um, I do like that Roz appreciated it in the end uh, quicker than Eileen probably would have if she was the rookie. So then just about when the conversation's about to get deeper, they're interrupted by news that Jordan Teller, the person who Yuna did the story on that got her the front page. Yeah, the big oil guy. Died in a plane crash um, in a plane that he was alone in and operating. Yeah, so it looks like a suicide. Yeah, so then Bob tells Austin to get a hold of Yuna, but she won't answer, and it cuts to Yuna in line at, I'm going to assume, a Fred Meyer or Cars Quality Center, dissociating and just looking at this news, and then she's crying in the parking lot, and I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) Been there, girl. (laughs) Just dissociating in line at the grocery store, then crying in your car in the parking lot. Mm, Hometown memories. (laughs) And that was the episode. We're, uh, we're sitting back down. We told you to take a little break between segments. Yeah, it's Sunday. It's our meal prep day. Allie's been in the kitchen just like recording segments and then just like running into the kitchen and just like just doing a million things and just like sweating it out with the oven. Yeah, I roasted a chicken and then I took its remains and boiled it, boiled the bones. That's what I drink every morning. And now I have my headache hat on because I'm so sweaty. Sunday scaries, man. They're real. Eileen did not have a panic attack in this episode. That's good. Yeah. Well, small victory for me. I didn't sweat my balls off at the improv. That's true. On Friday night. I have such bad performance anxiety. I usually sweat from the head down and I keep my hair up. Which is hilarious because like Allie's like such a good, like she's a good comedian and a good singer. So it's like every time like she's going to do well. It's not even like a question. But she's just like so nervous and then she'd like I throw up. Yeah. Like you used to yeah, you haven't thrown up in a while, but you used to throw up a lot before you went on stage. Yeah. You say that you I dread black out. every second say, of it. Yeah, you say that you black out when you go up, like you don't you like you just go on autopilot and you don't know what's happening. <laughs> Which is crazy because like when you're on stage you're like very engaged and being very present and in the moment. Like it's part of what makes you so good, but it's Aww. like in your head, I guess you're not even there. <laughs> I'm just dissociated. Uh, this is the section where we uh, shout out some businesses and stuff that we might have seen in the episode that you know exist in Anchorage. Uh, the two the two main ones in this episode aren't real. Rita's isn't real, and then uh, Bold Moose not also not real, but. They did. Uh, they did go. Where was it? Uh, the roof of Captain Cook. There's that right, restaurant. There's a restaurant. Um, it's fine dining upstairs of the Captain Cook called the Crow's Nest. Well, they're really getting a lot of mileage out of the Captain <laughs> Cook Hotel. It's like a. It's well, like... I mean, okay. So it got me thinking. You know how last episode we were talking about like how bad we want to work for the Vanguard and their budget. The Daily Alaskan must have budget because Captain Cook is one of the most expensive hotels in Anchorage, and Eileen just got a room there until further notice. I can't imagine that's like a permanent thing. I'm sure like eventually they're going to be like, all right, Eileen, like time for you to get a house. So it's time for you to fucking pay rent somewhere <laughs> or you take over the bill for this room. <laughs> we're, we're, we're out of money. Yeah. So that was, that was the one business that I think that we was in the episode. Yeah. Everything else was just kind of, again, the strip mall, the bold moves. Yeah, the strip, strip mall. The strip mall is like, Big strip malls of, are huge yeah, in Anchorage. Yeah, like that Charlie's Bakery isn't a strip mall. Shout out Charlie's Bakery. That's our favorite uh, place to get hargao noodles. They have the best cake. Not too I like sweet. Like pork buns. So many businesses in strip mall. We better call Saul as a lawyer in a strip mall, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was I wasn't expecting better call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the last thing I was expecting to. That's talk. like a lawyer 
to strip mall, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I was like, my mind's on a different TV show at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can only talk about one TV show on a podcast at a time. Uh, shout out Fred Meyer. We saw Yuna in line dissociating when she... Yeah, that, looked, a, that looked like a Fred Meyer. That looked like a Fred Meyer. Like, I want to say it looked like the Fred Meyer by your parents' house, but I feel like they all probably look like that. And I'm, but I feel like it looked like the one by your parents' house. Sometimes we go to Fred Meyer like four times a day. Yeah, I mean, that's mainly because people forget stuff they did that has nothing to do with Fred Meyer, really. It's, you know what? <laughs> and you wanted to talk, and so then in honor of, like, like sticking to, like, the theme of this episode of businesses shutting down or going out, you wanted to talk about, like, certain places that aren't around anymore. Yes, two businesses in particular. One, shout out R.I.P. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> shout out to R.I.P. <laughs> Pour one out for the perfect cup. Ugh, R.I.P. the perfect cup at the Diamond Center. It was the best place. Jill, my sister, is still not over it. Sometimes she'll just message me, I miss the perfect cup. Uh, you got to go before it closed. They yeah. had the best chicken salad wrap. They put rice in it. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, and they have great soup. They have every tea under the sun. And then I guess they expanded. The last time we went, when it was still open, they had beer, which they didn't have when I was growing up. And then shout out R.I.P. <laughs> shout out R.I.P. That's my next tattoo. R.I.P. Hot Sticks. My friend John Yee's restaurant it had two locations back in the day. It was my favorite. It was an Asian fusion restaurant. So now we're going to read a news article from Anchorage Daily News, right? Yep. AnchorageDailyNews.com. We subscribed Yep, we sure did. Um, but this, I guess, this article is featured on Anchorage, Anchorage Daily News, but it's, I guess, written by for the Seattle Times. Yeah, it's um, an article called "Alaska Cancels Bering Sea King and Snow Crab Seasons Over Worries of Population Collapse" by Hal Burton of the Seattle Times. Mm-hmm. Alaska officials have canceled the fall Bristol Bay red king crab harvest, and in a first ever move, also scuttled the winter harvest of smaller snow crab. Snow crab populations collapsed in the aftermath of a 2019 Bering Sea warming that scrambled the broader marine ecosystem, and last year's snow crab harvest of 5.6 million pounds was the smallest in more than 40 years. Management of Bering Sea snow crab must now focus on conservation and rebuilding given the conditions of the stock, the department said in a Monday statement announcing the snow crab cancellation. Also on Monday, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game announced a small bearing sea crab harvest of more than 2 million pounds of tanner crab will open on October 16th. There you go. That's a nice... It's not a nice story, but... uh... (laughs) But it's one that connects to the episode. Yeah, connect, we, we thought. Yeah, we thought it can. You know, the tanner crab and crabbing in general. I mean, like, there's a lot of talk of fish, fishing, and crabbing, and you know, like, the crabbing's not a thing. It's fishing. They well, there's catch... that show, Alaska, the deadliest catch. Uh-huh. It was that reality show about like king crab fishermen in Alaska. Uh-huh. Do it's they call crazy. it crabbing? I think they call it crab fishing. I'm solid. A, there, okay, there's this solid, <laughs> solid information there's from an Alaskan. Part, there's this part in the episode where uh, when Eileen is having lunch with the publisher with Stanley up at the crow's nest, right? And he's like, "Do you fish?" She's like, "Nope." She's like, "Do you ski?" "Nope." "Do you hike?" "Nope." I was like, hmm, "Me as an Alaskan." Well, it's crazy. We talk about it all the time. It's like you know, when we were in school, we would go. And see glaciers as field trips, you know, mm-hmm. as our field trips would, would you know, gra- hop on a bus and go out there to the fucking fjords. Sure, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I was listening to Barbara Streisand on my Walkman, so <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what was going on. Um, and they were like massive, like you could touch it from the boat. Uh-huh. And then now, like, you know, we went in 2019 and we saw the glacier and it's like an ice cube floating in a scotch. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's 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 disheartening, and now and now it's you know you can't affecting go out and crabs. Push. Yeah, crab populations are going down, and you can't go you know crabbing. <laughs> My sister was like, "But Dungeness are okay, right?" Jill's really into Dungeness crab. You know, well, good luck, Jill. Well, my parents love to have crab for like we we do crabs when we go camping. Yeah, you know birthdays. Yeah, Michael Lou must be heartbroken right now. <laughs> well. Dungeness are okay, I think. 
For now. So that was the Alaska News brought to you by AlaskaDailyNews.com or AnchorageDailyNews.com. Anchors Daily News. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Wait, Alaska. no predictions. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Predictions. All right. So we'll keep leaning on the prediction, um, you know, of Pilot Poet being the murderer or at least involved in it in some way, you know. Again, he flies his plane. He has access to these small native villages that need these supplies that he is responsible for bringing around. So he has access to these people and can... Yeah. Do shit. And I just don't like the looks of him. You keep saying that. <laughs> I don't like I don't like him. I don't know. No, no offense to the actor. I'm sure he's great, but like just like a, I don't know. I'm not into him. Not I into also him. think that Jordan Teller is not dead. Jordan Teller, the oil big shot. Who died in a plane crash that he was operating and he was alone on. I don't think Yeah, he's I think really dead. he like faked his faked his death for sure. Do you know any? Do you that, know any oil people? I know some oil people. I know. Um, I have friends who have family in oil and like drilling. Yeah. Do you think they would have the means to fake their deaths if they had to? I mean, those pockets run deep. Like oil money is—it's black gold, you know. So maybe I, I don't know. Fake your own death. Fake your own death. That's fake like a that's a serious is... like. That's like a big. It's like one of those things where it's like it sounds like a good idea. You know, it's like when when you're out drinking with your friends and you're all like hammered. You're like, yeah, we should go like hiking tomorrow morning. We should nine. fake our own death. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know, when you go out drinking and you're just talking to your friends and you're like, you know what we should do? We should we should fake our own deaths. You know, and at the time it sounds like a good idea, and so you're like, all right, like yeah, for sure. And then you're like doing it, and you're like, oh boy, like we bit off more than we can chew here. Well, this is now. What do you do? Do you actually do you actually go through with it and die, or do you fake your death? I don't know. Like, so it's like you gotta have like have like a lot of money, and because it's like a lot of infrastructure to hiding. Well, here's the thing: I don't know how much money he has because he was taking money from the Alaska Permanent Fund dividend to buy his love nest in the first episode. So he's got financial problems. Faking your own death might be a solution to financial problems. Yeah, there you go. There you go. What I, else? With I the think pu- there's a publisher. Publisher, publisher's gonna be. A problem, obviously. I don't, you know, like, I don't know what or how him and Eileen are going to go. Head to head. Go head to head, obviously. Or put Stanley in a weird position. Yeah. Like, he's going to be forced to make a similar decision again. Yeah. Like, he did. Like, clearly, like, this is what the grudge between him and Eileen is. And this time, I think he'll back her. But he's been doing a good job so far. Yeah. Being fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, prediction maybe Claire and her husband will get a divorce. I don't know. He redeemed himself with that truce, but I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't like him either. Well, there you go. Uh, but this episode was called uh, "A Place We Came Together," right? I'd like to shout out "A Place We Came Together." The Irish Times on Very Motor awesome. Avenue yeah. five years ago. I Culver City Kiss Bull Dev, and now we do the show together. And I'm so happy I was brave enough. Like Eileen to do that. Me too. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you everybody for listening to another episode, episode two of Alaska Daily Weekly. Uh, we'll be, na- be be back next week after a new episode of Alaska Daily's out. Thanks. Bye. Bye.